Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and managing partner of Cordell and Cordell. We continue to bring you information for uh, everything related to family law, uh, including before, during, and after divorce, and all things related to that, including modifications, paternities, contempts, uh, orders of protection. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast for the last 23, 24 weeks. You know, we've touched really everything as it relates to family law. Today is no different. We're going to talk about something that is, I can think, near and dear to my heart, and I talk about this a lot in seminars live in the evenings, and I think we addressed a little bit in our uh, virtual town hall, and that is financial statements, what we call income and expense, affidavits of expense. Uh, around the country, they're all called something different, but they all contain the same thing, and that is your income, your expenses, what do you earn, what do you spend? And really, we're going to talk quickly and briefly about the importance of this document. If you've heard me talk about it, uh, and I'll talk about it a little bit, later in the podcast, uh, it's one of the most important documents you'll ever face and that your attorney will ever ask you. So um, before I introduce our guest, as you know, I always caution you, this should not be taken as an attorney-client privilege or a relationship. Remember that your case is specific. Your case has very different facts. And uh, we want to make sure that uh, an attorney who practices exclusively in family law can address those facts. So make sure to set a consult with someone. Of course, we're available across the country, including the UK. You can reach us at 866-DADS-LAW or find us on the web at cordellcordell.com. So let's go with our guest today, Alexandria. Welcome from uh, Jacksonville. Hi, Scott. Thank you so much for having me today. How are you doing? So good, thanks. Uh, you know, let's talk about income and expense or with these financial statements that um, I've talked a lot about. And, and as I intro it, I liken it to the tax return, you know, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but kind of intro is kind of why you think it's so important that, that guys really focus on this particular document. Sure. Well, first thing it's important because it's required in almost every family law case. Um, like you said, I practice in Florida. So um, these financial statements are called financial affidavits. Typically, this type of document um, can't be waived in family court. We have to provide them in every case unless there's no um, financial issues at play in the case, such as an adoption. Um, so financial statements are important because they, they show the court basically um, they're their snapshot of what your fight, your income and your expenses are, what your assets and your debts are. The courts look at these uh, typically in almost every hearing. They look at them in determining child support, alimony, equitable distribution, um, ability and need for attorney's fees, anything having to do with the finances of your case, yeah. the court's going to look straight at that financial affidavit. Yeah, and for me, it sets the credibility factor for clients, meaning once you make a mistake, uh, especially for guys. And, and mm -hmm. so it's over. I don't care what happens later no. for me. And I, I agree. I, I think, don't you think that's the biggest issue for guys and credibility? Oh, definitely. And Florida actually has a rule of procedure, which allows for another party to seek relief from the final judgment um, based on a fraudulent financial affidavit. Mm -hmm. So vagueness, omissions, misrepresentations may t trigger that um, fraud element, which would um, allow your opposing party to come back and maybe seek relief from this judgment, yeah. maybe ask for more more um, of an award. So really, as you start yeah. at the very top, and we think about the most important, it's income, right? And you know, many guys think, oh, I know what I make, I'm just going to list it. And uh, from memory, uh, that's probably the worst thing they can do, right? Yes, definitely. So as an attorney, my first thing um, that I ask my clients is when they're providing me their draft of their financial affidavit, always give me pay stubs. You may believe you know what your income is, but um, 
half the time you don't know what your your accurate income is. So we look at, um, first thing I look at is how my clients are paid. Are they paid salary, hourly, commissions? Are they a tipped um, employee? And I also look at their pay stubs to see how often they're paid. Yep. Um, often we see parties who are paid bi-weekly, which is every other Friday, calculating their income by multiplying their paycheck by two. Yep. Um, if What they fail to see is that they're paid 26 times a year, so there's a couple of months that they're getting three paychecks instead mm -hmm. of those two. Yeah, I mean, I think over-calculating your income, under-calculating your income, uh, everyone gets tripped up, as you suggest, on the monthly, bi-weekly, semi-monthly, what annually, what do you get paid, dividing it incorrectly. And let me just jump to this, you know, um, revelation for guys, use a calculator, right? And, mm -hmm. and not start doing the math by hand or in your head when you're calculating your income. Exactly. And you also want to make sure that you're placing gross income um, where the gross income is supposed to go and your net income. So it's not necessarily what's deposited into your bank account. Uh, there's a lot of deductions that are taken out, taxes, 401k, union dues, health insurance, um, those type of things that um, you're kind of selling yourself short from those deductions if you're um, not putting your correct income. Yeah, I mean, match it up to your deposit. Pull your pay stub, look at your bank statement, make sure the net income you're listing on your statement is the same. Uh, because I always uh, tell guys, look, if you list more income than you actually are getting, mm -hmm. uh, it throws everything off. And what do you think the judge is going to do with it? You know, he's going to use that or she's going to use that calculation of higher net income to formulate child support, alimony, ability to pay fees. And now you've got an order that you can't afford because you didn't take the time to reflect actual reality as it relates to your income. I mean, it's a terrible situation. I think that's why, you know, the first thing is you start at the top and that is get your income right and include, and include all bonuses, include overtime, mm -hmm. anything and pay, pull a, 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 your tax return from last year, your most recent pay stub, and just use this to start that, um, that document, right? Exactly. And even if you're paid, um, I know I have some clients who are paid more during a busy season. They have more overtime, um, such as let's take uh, HVAC repair. Of course, your AC is going to go out all the time in the summer. So you're going to have a, a lot of overtime in the summer. So it's also good to look at last year's pay stubs, maybe your year end and divide from December 12 months to figure out what your accurate income is. Because some months you might be making just your hourly wage and then other months you might be having um, 10 hours of overtime every single week. And we wanna make sure that our clients aren't being held to that 10 hours of over, overtime every week when they're not actually receiving that throughout the entire yeah. year. And I think one guy, the mistake some that guys make when they look at this document, it's a pre-printed form. Mm -hmm. um, and they make the assumption that they have to follow the form, meaning that if their income is different like, and if they have rental income, they have miscellaneous income, they have something different that, they don't ask or it doesn't explain it enough, then they don't go into detail. I mean, don't be afraid to add an addendum or some other, you know, statement, right, to your income to fully explain what your income is accurately, right? Exactly. Especially if you have rental income, a rental home, or you own your own business, um, you definitely, what you're actually bringing in from your business is not what you are actually bringing home because you have expenses, you have contractors that you have to pay, utilities. And so um, I think it's always great for, your, for our clients to attach a addendum to them that have a, rent down, a breakdown of your rental income and expenses, yeah. uh, a breakdown of your business income and expenses to accurately, so there's no question of an accurate income that you're presenting to the court. 
Yeah. So you mentioned expenses that brings to the next topic, which is really make sure that your expenses are not only accurate, that you're not guessing, but they're full and complete and a full representation of a day in the life, right? And, and what your household expenses have been. So, I mean, don't you think that expenses, that's the next greatest thing you have to pay attention to? Definitely. And I will acknowledge when you come when you're seeking an attorney, you're going through a divorce, it's a huge life change. You don't wanna be filling out all this paperwork, but now is the time to look back at your, your bank statements for the last few months um, so that you're understanding what your real expenses are. I often see clients either underestimate their expenses when they fail to consider um, certain expenses that maybe aren't monthly, like oil changes or renewal of your car tag. Um, they don't think about budgeting for Christmases or birthdays. Um, they only pay summer camp once a year. Those are things that they don't think about on a monthly basis, but they sell themselves short by not doing that. Yeah. And I think one of the things I immediately identify when I'm looking at the clients who come in with a draft is a lot of my clients live paycheck to paycheck. And when I see that they have um, available net income, you know, if you take your net less the expenses and what's left over and they have a positive mm -hmm. number and or it's a big number and I'm thinking okay how do you have credit card debt of $25,000 and other debt but yet you have available income every month that's just not accurate so it's a big red flag for me mm -hmm. uh, for guys that have un, as you suggest underestimated their expenses so I mean I, I think and I imagine you would too go get your bills pull out them, average them, you know, because you know, winter months, summer months, everything, you know, your utilities vary, you know, maybe your spending habits vary, you know, depending upon the seasonality, uh, whatever it may be. So average, don't you think that's important? Definitely. I always say, take a look back at your six to 12 months um, of your spending habits. Um, expenses fluctuate, food fluctuates, electricity, gas, um, do a self-analysis. Of, of what your spending habits are as a married person and what you expect them to be as a single person in the future. I would rather note that this is an estimate for the future or this is an average for the last 12 months than the court um, look at it and think it's overinflated or underinflated. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, making sure you have documentation. Uh, I, I, for example, I, I talk about this in the evening seminars when we do, used to do these live, a couple hundred guys in the room. I remember I was practicing in Georgia and I opened up our Atlanta, Georgia office and I cross-examined uh, the spouse for a couple of days just on her financial statement and just destroyed her credibility. And, and at some point during my examination, I saw the judge pick up a newspaper, put his feet up on the desk and started reading the paper. And at that point I knew I had won. And at the end of the case in the other party, the other attorney said, you know, judge, I just want to make sure you could hear my client he goes, Oh yeah, I heard enough. That's it. The point is you can win or lose a case simply on this single document. Uh, it's so critically important, not only for the result, but from the credibility standpoint, because I had destroyed that that spouse on the stand. So that's why I even uh, I mentioned you suggest footnoting your expenses to make sure that you explain what you have, explain how you arrived at it, explain you know, the average or what you did. Definitely. And I would always um, look also outside of the expenses that are just listed on the financial statement. There are yeah. you know, these financial statements in some jurisdictions are archaic. So they don't consider internet expenses, only cable, they don't tell and a home phone. Um, they don't consider streaming services such as Netflix or Hulu or subscription services. Um, but always, definitely always footnote everything. Um, if it is an estimated, if it's anticipatory, like this is something I want in the future, um, but I'm not actually able to afford it right now. If this is something that you only pay once a year, quarterly, um, make those notes because it helps the court follow your thought process and follow your um, 
your credibility in that financial affidavit. Yeah. So as we get ready to wrap up a little bit, last thing is to use external evidence, something like a banking app, you know, where you can download your expenses and, and you know, that would be a recommendation you have for guys to find external something, not just memory, find documents, find support to that, you know, you can point to right in your financial affidavit. Yes, Scott, definitely. I always suggest you download um, either most banks have this capability where it will kind of do a bar graph of where your spending is every month, but also um, there are outside applications that you can download that will help, will link to your credit cards, not just your banks, will link to um, your debit card and show you what you're spending your money on every month. Even if it's, you know, you look at that and you take a look at yourself and say, hey, maybe I'm overspending in this area, I could cut back. Um, it's better for you to know what the accurate amount is um, than selling yourself short. Absolutely. The last thing I'll kind of mention is I think through this, and I think it's key and important, sometimes I suggest to my clients who've moved out and they've created their own household, so now you're supporting two homes, is a lot of times this document just lists a single uh, line for your household expenses, but now you're paying two because you may be the breadwinner, you may have a spouse who, who doesn't work, so now you're paying double mortgage, double utilities, so I try to add that line, so I just thought I'd throw that out there because, I mean, I want to reflect reality. And, you know, it may be the judge ignores it, but I like to throw that in as well. So Definitely. In Florida, we have a household expenses um, section. So what I usually do is I um, add that as an addendum and say husband's secondary residence. And I, I add all those up or I add it to footnotes so that the court knows what the exact amount is that he's paying for the mortgage at the marital home and for his rent at his apartment or vice versa. Yeah, I can't, we can't, I mean, I know you and I could spend an hour on this topic because it's so important and it is one of the 10 stupidest mistakes guys make when facing divorce and that is not paying enough attention to their financial statements. It is, I mean, it is, should be, and if you're a guy listening and you have an attorney and you haven't met and talked about it, you've just made a mistake and it could be critical. So uh, go seek an attorney, go to your attorney that you have, go find a new one, consult with us. Uh, it's something that is worthy of uh, a, you know, a lot of attention, just like when I liken it to your tax return. No one would uh, take their tax return lightly and not use a calculator and estimate their income. You know you're gonna get audited. So, but the problem is, is that maybe the two of us, I don't know anybody that's been audited. The chances of getting audited by the IRS are so slim but the chances of being audited in court are about 99%. So just kind of throw that out there. Anyway, thanks for joining that, you know, making sure that guys have great tips uh, that they can take and create talking points to have a conversation with an attorney. So thanks for joining today. My pleasure, Scott. Thanks for having me. So as always, we try to answer the three questions we've been doing for the last 23, 24 weeks, and that is what can I do, what should I do, and what must I do? And I think we just got all three of those and just scratched the surface, and we'd love to talk to you more about it, so you can reach us at 866-DADS-LAW or find us on the web at cordellcordell.com, or if you have an attorney, make sure to bring that to their attention. Have a great conversation about it. It could be a game changer uh, from a strategic standpoint in your case. So continue to tune in twice a week on our podcast as we bring you this information. And then coming up in September, we have our virtual town hall where you can log in live, ask questions live of our Cordell attorneys and get answers. So until next time, have a great week.